Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. This is a bonus episode. I recorded it live at a screening of Home Again, which is a film with Reese Witherspoon as a lead and came out recently. It's written and directed by Hallie Myers-Shire and produced by Nancy Myers, who directed The Holiday, which is one of my favourite rom-coms to watch over Christmas, and I'm sure I'm not alone. So we had a fantastic afternoon at the Soho Hotel. We had champagne, we had popcorn, we sat and watched the film, and then I did a Q&A afterwards, which was recorded for this podcast. So a bit about the film, Reese Witherspoon's character Alice moves away from New York to LA to start all over again after splitting up with her husband, who is played by Michael Sheen. It's a modern romantic comedy about love, friendship, and the families that we create for ourselves. So after the screening, I interviewed my friend and author, Kate Lever, who has a book called The Friendship Cure that is coming out in March this year. She moved from Sydney to London post-breakup a few years ago, and she knows so much about friendship and the ins and outs of how we connect with others. And I just wanted to talk to her really along this theme of moving away from home, starting afresh, moving to a new city and how to settle in. So I hope you enjoy this episode and thank you to Sony Pictures Home Entertainment for making this live recording happen. The DVD and Blu-ray of Home Again is available now from February the 5th. So I always uh, keep people posted on social media, Twitter, Instagram, etc., on live events. So keep an eye out. I also have an events page on my website, which is at emmagannon.co.uk. So if you want to come to a live recording sometime soon, then check that out. And thanks to the brilliant Shola Aleje who produced this episode. She also produces my other podcast called Get It Off Your Breasts. If you want to check that out, then do. So I hope you enjoy this recording. Here it is. Do you know what the difference is between men and women? Men just, they can just do things. And women have to think about the consequences and the feelings and the pros and cons and we make lists and men just act. They just do. So welcome to a live recorded episode of Control-Alt-Delete, which is my podcast um, where I interview interesting creative people about life, the internet. So today's episodes, we're going to talk for about 20 minutes and open it out if you've got any questions, um, is kind of loosely related to Home Again, which is the film that you just saw. And thank you to Sony at Home Pictures who have kind of put this on today, given us some champagne, watched a rom-com. And I wanted to invite my friend Kate Lever here today, who you might have heard on Women's Hour yesterday, who has a book coming out called The Friendship Cure uh, next month and moved from Sydney to London. I wanted to talk to you really today about moving cities, getting over breakups, making new friends, stuff that Alice did in the film, kind of moving away from home. So let's start with, well, first of all, did you, did you like the film? I pretty much like everything Reese Witherspoon ever does. I just enjoy, much like George in that film, enjoy her face and her personality and everything about her. <laughs> I love that it was produced by Nancy Myers, who did The Holiday. She directed The Holiday and her daughter directed this film called Hallie. And I, re I read last night that Nancy Myers, her mum, she directed her first film at 29 and this was directed by Hallie and she's only 29. So oh, I thought that was quite cool. That is good trivia, Emma. That is good. <laughs> I like that. 
So you, when did you move to London, first of all? Um, it's about two and a half years now um, since I've been in London. I am technically a British citizen because I'm one of those incredibly lucky people whose parent was, my mum was born in England, so I can stay in this beautiful country as long as I like, which is delightful. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've settled into my second home. Um, yeah, a little bit like Reese in that movie, but also not really. <laughs> yeah, I mean... They've got a really nice house and <laughs> I was just looking at their sofa like like the interiors were great. I was trying to relate it to my life and I was, it, it kind of stopped at <laughs> nope, a point. Nope, not, not working. No. <laughs> um, but I, I had a lot of friends who moved from New York to London when I worked in an um, agency years ago and they said that there was like a three-month rule to when you move cities to kind of getting settled, getting a bank account, just getting all those foundations in place. How long did it take you to truly settle? Gosh, um, I think it took me a, a while. I don't know that I would necessarily put a three-month stamp on it, but definitely all those like admin, life admin stuff, it takes a while. Um, I moved in with strangers that I met on the internet and <laughs> lived above a pub directly above the place where the band plays. I think they were sort of right, right beneath my bed so I could feel the vibrations with my whole soul. I, I don't know, I guess my sort of initial initiation period it was really important to me as well as putting things together like you know financial stability and a way to make a livelihood also things like just like having your regular barista who knows what you all want to order and your local pub and force people um, like you Emma <laughs> to be my friend um, did and we meet on Twitter yeah we yeah. did we did and to be honest like that's how I've made a lot of friends over here because I think um, I mean we often blame technology for making us lonelier and more disconnected but I think when you move to a new city you need a way of screening people and being able to approach people that's not quite as terrifying as going up to them in a public place and saying hey do you want to be friends because the risk of social rejection then is just mortifying and off the charts whereas a, a cheeky dm on twitter saying like do you want to have coffee sometime is much less threatening um and yeah the risk level is a lot lower so i felt comfortable doing that and i continue to do that to this day as i sort of still accumulate both professional connections as well as dear friends and i find it a really successful um way for an introvert like me to operate and i would highly recommend it as someone who moved to a new city um, to use technology as sort of as smartly as possible in that kind of friend collection zone yeah even alice was getting her website up <laughs> she up was and, up and live um <laughs> but yeah like alice reese witherspoon in the film um she, well she leaves behind her ex who i mean i quite fancy michael she same in that film, same so much with me <laughs> my own, my own. but um also he's going out with sarah silverman in real life and i'm obsessed with them kind of i like go into like google he's dated he was married to kate beckinsale and dated rachel mcadams i Ooh. mean he has like made his way around some of hollywood's most beautiful <laughs> women i'm so impressed wow. <laughs> um yeah it's like when you re-watch old episodes of things like the oc and then you fancy all the dads but you don't fancy like <laughs> yeah. the youngsters anyway um you're obviously in a really lovely, happy relationship now. Yes. Did I am. you leave anyone behind when you moved? 
yeah, from I, Sydney. I did. I absolutely did. So part of the reason I left Sydney was I came to the end of a seven-year relationship. Um, and all the women's magazines always tell you that seven years is the time um, when you get restless in a relationship. And that just happened to be true for me and my now ex-boyfriend. Um, and we were living together in Sydney. We had the world's greatest dog called Lady Fluffington. Um, she was a rescue. Her silent middle name was Beyonce. Um, and she was the sassiest creature to ever exist. Um, and, you know, when we broke up, I moved back in with my dad and my stepmom for a few months. Um, I took Lady Fluffington with me and she did not complain once when I listened to Magic by Coldplay on repeat for all those all those days in bed by myself. <laughs> um, so, you know, a breakup is pretty hectic. Um, I'd also come to sort of the natural end of a particular job um, and kind of fancied the solution being uh, travelling to the other side of the world. And my mum had just come back from visiting England and said sort of really flippantly, which she now regrets, maybe you should move, you know, maybe a new city, a new country is, is what you need right now. And I kind of went to sleep one night and woke up the next morning with this epiphany that that's exactly what I should do. And pretty much, even though it's a major life decision, booked tickets within a couple of days and just committed to doing it. Um, and it's been a huge upheaval of my life, but um, a really wonderful thing to uh, get over a breakup. <laughs> it's kind of an extreme way. Most people just eat a tub of Ben and Jerry's and cry for six months and watch rom-coms on repeat. But yeah, I found setting up a whole new life on my own. Um, and I do think I'm sort of of the opinion and I've thought about it a lot because I've written about women and dating and love um, in my career so much that I think every woman should have a compulsory single period in her life. And I sort of had that when I came over. I um, I went on a couple of dates before I left Sydney with this guy who I'd sort of fallen for on Twitter, which I don't recommend doing because uh, you actually need face-to-face -face contact with someone to appreciate the kind of person they are in a romantic sense. Um, and I think by the time I got to know his real personality, I understood why so many people get scammed financially online because it's so easy to like pick up little pieces of someone's personality online and then fill in the rest with what you want them to be. Um, and he, I told him if he wanted a third date, he had to come to London and he left it a few months and then did um, and stayed with me for two weeks and it was the worst. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up sobbing like over a bowl of pasta and red wine and then all the way through the third installment of The Hunger Games uh, because I had this revelation that he was uh, not a nice person. So I did get out of one relationship and then have that awkward stopover relationship that you have as kind of like an unsuccessful rebound and then my single period in... Um, in London where I tried out Tinder and, and met a male model who told me in excruciating detail his workout routine and then I ghosted him and it's the only time I've any ghosted someone in my life and I feel terrible about it to this day <laughs> but I've seen him twice on the tube and I think that's my penance because I had to run away from him. <laughs> oh my god out of the whole of London the, the big vast huge city you never see anyone on the tube. Never, ever, ever. So I've never bumped into anyone except this one guy. <laughs> oh my god! So when you when you moved here, obviously starting afresh, um, how has it been keeping long term uh, friendships alive? Is that been difficult? 
Yeah, it is one of the great challenges of my life. My long I mean, distance, not long term. You yeah, know what I mean? both, both. Um, I I have um, four close friends who I refer to as my soul buddies because they mean they're the true loves of my life and they mean everything to me. And I kind of live on WhatsApp because they live in physically live in Melbourne, LA, New York, and New Orleans, um, and I'm here in London. So I think I'm, my math is not great, but I think that means at any one time. I'm between five and 12 kilometers away from them and from them physically. Um, and I deeply miss that face-to-face connection you can have, the stupid sleepovers and just sitting physically across the table from them with a bottle of rosé and debriefing on the world. But I guess what we're left with is a constant, <laughs> constant dialogue on WhatsApp and any other social media platform you can mention. Um, and I've come to really value... Um, technology and its ability to connect you with the people you care about and I kind of because my family and everyone I um, initially cared about before I you know put together a new beautiful bunch of friends over here um, because they live so far away I kind of resent people when they say that WhatsApp friendship is empty or trivial um, because to me it's the way I connect with the people who make me who I am um, and together especially with my closest girlfriends we're in a WhatsApp group called Bridesmaids because we were recently bridesmaids at one of my best friend's weddings and cried all over each other and um you know, we help each other negotiate how to be women and how to live in the world and find our space and our place and our identity. And I don't know how I would survive without them. So I guess the answer is with long distance friendship, you just make it work in whatever way you can. Um, I don't like Skype because it makes me feel like it's almost face to face, but it's not. So it's kind of this like proximity to real connection but it's not that real um so for me it's all about whatsapp and i mean constant whatsapp and i mean you know i just sent them a picture of a really fat dog that i'm currently in love with from a rescue that i really want my boyfriend and i to adopt um and so that's often the tone of our conversation um i sent them increasingly zoomed in photos of it um, which is never not funny um but we also talk about really serious stuff in life so i guess yeah you just find your own way if you care enough about the friendship to invest your time and your energy. Yeah, and I bet it's a good test in that in that respect that it's kind of the ones that you do really try and keep in touch with are the ones that are going to last long, you know, for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, with your book coming out next year, sorry, next month. <laughs> oh my God, I'm still in the film. <laughs> it's really, I'm a zombie. Um, but you're releasing it in Australia and you're releasing it here with two different publishers. Does it feel like you've got kind of two homes? Yeah, it absolutely feels that way, Um, which is so lovely. And I feel incredibly privileged to have people I care about and a career in both places. Um, But it's also, you really feel that distance in your heart when something important happens. And I do kind of wish that I'd chosen cities who were, that were a little bit closer together because um, I mean I went home for Christmas and it, we had a stopover in Tokyo and so all up it, it really did take us about 35 hours to get between London and Sydney um, and that's a long tiring haul um, and a lot of you know movies you watch and you cry weirdly because your emotions are elevated when you're in a plane um, so I do wish that my homes were closer together but it is kind of this beautiful thing to be able to have um, friends and family 
twice over in two physical locations. And with my book coming out, it's just really exciting that it gets to come out in to two different audiences. Um, and I don't know how differently people will react in those two, um, you know, two countries to my book, but I think it's a book about friendship and that is as universal a theme as it gets. So hopefully people will, you know, it'll resonate with people in both places. Definitely. It's very exciting. I've read Thank it and you. it's very good. So just lastly, before we go to a Q&A, I mean, I say Q&A, it could just be thoughts about the film that we can all laugh together. But... Um, if anyone listening, because this is going out on the podcast as well, wants to move to a different city or they've been thinking about it for a while or it's just something that they sometimes daydream about, I mean, what would your advice be? Kind of one single bit of advice if anyone's thinking about it. Uh, the single bit of advice would be to do it. Um, because I think there are a lot of people who, as you say, dream and fantasize and daydream about life in another city. And I think if you've got as far as that fantasy, then there's an element of your personality that is yearning to be somewhere else. And I think indulge it. And if you can afford to, um, just take that leap because it can be terrifying. And even if you fail and you have to crawl home in a a couple of weeks or a month, um, I think it can be the most sort of world expanding, both literally and figuratively experience that you can have, especially as someone under 30 who has the freedom and the selfishness that we're afforded when we don't have, you know, kids in a family, if that happens to be your personal circumstance. I'm kind of like, so I know I'm being selfish, just like, you know, sleeping in on weekends and traveling the world and doing what I want to do before I have that kind of responsibility and moving cities was part of that. So I would just encourage anyone to give it a go. Cool. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. That. Thanks to you guys for sticking around after the films. Anyone have any questions? Yes, over there. Um, it's not necessarily a question. But I just wanted to say that I'm 24 and I moved from New York three months ago. And this is just like speaking directly to my soul oh. right now. So thank you. Oh, that's oh. so nice. How has it been for you? Um, I'm experiencing everything that you're talking about. And I'm really glad I took the leap. So yeah, success story so far. Thank that's you. so awesome. Oh, we've got one at the front. Hello. Um, I'm a little older than you, and I'm in that stage of um, have a husband and a child, um, and life has become very busy. And um, what I'd like to understand from your book, actually, is mm. how much do you think friendship needs to be managed through the busy times, and what would be your advice on doing that? God, I love that you've just asked me that question so much. It's pretty much the entire reason I wrote the book. Um, I think I love that you've said managed because I think that you do have to proactively deliberately diligently manage a friendship I think we are familiar with the idea of investing time and energy and really negotiating what it's like to be in a romantic relationship and I think we have a cultural preoccupation with that kind of love and we elevate it above all other kinds um, and it's such a familiar notion to put work into a marriage as you would know because we know that that's something you have to maintain emotionally and psychologically and physically and sexually um we don't have the same sort of approach to a friendship and to be honest i find that baffling um and that's why i wrote eighty-three thousand words on it and it was really difficult <laughs> um but i think the answer to your question particularly um 
you know, as, as, as you said, I'm not married and I don't have kids, but the general consensus based on people who do is that those are incredibly time greedy things. You know, raising tiny humans takes up your life and I just don't know how people do it. But I think um, maintaining friendships in a sort of very deliberate way um, and making that actively a priority in your life is incredibly important, not just for those friendships, but for your marriage, for your relationship with yourself and your kids. Um, essentially, the, f- the final chapter in my book is a love letter to my friend Elise, um, who is the first of my friends and my peers to have a child. And her son is two years old. And, um, you know, she would be breastfeeding at 3 a.m. and one day he tried to eat a doorknob so he doesn't have any front teeth anymore. But I know that that day, even though it was like this chaotic day where she spent so long in A&E and she was squabbling with her husband and it was sort of this peak moment of busyness that you're talking about that comes with that level of adulthood. I know that if I'd called her and had a problem, even if it was trivial, she still would have spoken to me about it and talked me through it and calmed me down and made me feel better because she has this beautiful way of um, maintaining all the relationships in her life and she's not once dropped the ball on our friendship. And I think, you know, having said that, she's perfectly fallible and not not a flawless human being um, and none of us are and it's important to know that. And the thing I love most about friendship is we're able to be our full, weird, fallible selves with the people that we choose to recruit as our chosen family. But I think, yeah, managing a friendship takes a lot of time and effort and you just have to commit to it otherwise when and if a romantic relationship crumbles and I'm certainly not talking about yours um but you know I come from a broken family in fact just like Riss Witherspoon in that movie my parents were divorced by the time I was four um I don't I think then you're left in this world where you have to scramble together the friendships that you've neglected because you prioritise romantic love. Um, So I think maybe just diversifying your emotional portfolio is a good idea. I have a question. Yeah, Because on average... um, people have I think I read 150 Facebook friends like that you read that in my book oh oh, maybe I did (laughs) I think I did you did you did (laughs) oh no I I did I'm creating you back to you that's really awkward um (laughs) but that's a lot of people a lot of people have more some people have less but that's the average number so how do you deal with and and we all know we're not actually friends with 150 people but you Mm. you, surely you have to you know you have to choose because you can't go for coffees and you can't be friends with with that many people well 150 is actually the number that a man called robin dunbar from oxford university has calculated the human brain can handle so that's the number of friendships we can have before we start sort of not being able to contain that information that they give us or manage it but i think um it 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 sort of works itself out in concentric circles and we do have that core group of sort of five or six people including our romantic partner um who form our real support network in in life and they're the people we call if we 
need to get through grief or need to borrow money or need somewhere to stay or need a shoulder to cry on, the real people who back us up in life. And I think it's realistic to be able to maintain those relationships. And I think by middle age, it's, it's you know, women have an average of five very close friends and men have an average of six, which I found surprising, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, look, our number of Facebook friends is never going to be equal to the number of true, genuine, moving friendships we have in life and I think we make perhaps the mistake of equating social media connections with self-worth and we sort of collect more friends on Facebook to give us a little bump to our ego where they may not actually have any great relevance to our life and I think that's fine and forgivable Um, but I think it is really worth doing a kind of stock take of the people in your life Cole. and the people okay and yeah i mean f- by all means keep people on facebook so you can like see if they get married and wear a really bad dress or you know do something weird in their career or any sort of voyeuristic reason for staying in touch with someone that you're not that keen on um go for it i think it's great you know i'm all for that kind of silliness um but i think be real about who really matters in your life um and yeah, make a cull of the people who are not lifting you up or worse, people who are dragging you down. Um, and certainly if you identify that you might be in a toxic relationship, find um, a tactful and effective way out. Um, so, yeah, I think we should focus less on the number of friends we have and the quality than the quality of them. Definitely. Uh, any other questions or comments before we wrap up? Yes. So um, I'm at the stage, my friend Nicole here as well, at the stage, similar stage as you, the lady at the front, where we're kind of a little bit older, we've got kids, and I feel like some of my friendships, bar this one, of course, <laughs> <laughs> comes with a lot of guilt, a lot of guilt around not prioritising, not having the kind of the mind space to deal with work, husband, kids, keeping everybody alive and smiling. And so this has been really nice because it's made me think about prioritising friendships. But I just wondered if your book covers kind of, and I hate the word guilt anyway, because I think as women we feel that way too much. But for me, friendships is, it doesn't know, it just comes with feeling guilty. Absolutely. I um, It was really interesting. I actually ended up speaking to more guilt-ridden, lonely, confused mothers than just about any other demographic in the book. Um, I would sort of speak to people I know and people in my life and their friends, but also strangers from the internet. Um, And mothers came to me in flocks saying, please listen to my story because either a little bit like you, I don't quite know how to manage um, my guilt about not maintaining relationships or even about realizing that a friendship is perhaps over Um, and I think that's really difficult and something that we have to have the courage to acknowledge sometimes and frankly I don't know how you do it because I think motherhood is terrifying and the most beautiful thing you can do obviously but um, I applaud you for being able to you know even make it out of the house to come and see a movie (laughs) I think it's incredible um, and the most difficult job on the planet so I, I get that it's a really difficult thing to maintain friendships on top of all the keeping a child alive and maintaining a romantic relationship and you know making a living thing that those are all enormous feats of human nature um 
So I think, I mean, I think even what you said now should get rid of a little bit of the guilt because you've just listed what a like stupendous, ridiculous, enormous achievement it is to do all of those wonderful things at once. So I think we need to get rid of the guilt because the last thing friendship should be about is guilt. It should be should be about indulgence and support and watching Reese Witherspoon rom-coms with your mate and having sweet or salty popcorn, whichever floats your boat. Um, you know, it's it's about like loving that aspect of your identity and allowing someone to be there for the purpose of fun when perhaps other people in your life aren't necessarily, you know. So I think that if you can possibly, even if it's just the beautiful woman next to you, hold on to at least one person that reminds you of the person you were before you were all those other things to all those other people, then that should be a source of great joy, not guilt. And if there's anyone in your life who's actively making you feel guilty for not paying them enough attention, then maybe they shouldn't be there anymore. And that's, I mean, that's really all I have to say on it. And I, I do cover that in the book in more detail because your story is is so common in, in the sense that so many women and I do think it is a female thing uh, to be juggling so many different types of relationships and I think we deserve to have friendship particularly female friendship and should allow ourselves to make the time and space in our lives for that no matter what else is going on that was a really good question it was a great very good answer thank you anyone else before we go and mingle some more (laughs) There's cool. probably well, more champagne. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to Sony at Home Pictures Entertainment who have put this on. Um, it's been a really lovely afternoon. Um, thank you, Katie, at the back there for everything, <laughs> for the popcorn and the amazing um, afternoon. So thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you.